Con Survival Guide. Each week, we give you the tips and hacks you need to get the most out of your con. Save money at cons to spend more at cons. Now here's your hosts, Gary and Taylor. And welcome to Dragon Con Survival Guide, El Clasico, episode number 20. I'm Gary, and you already know this awesome guy, your other host, Taylor. Hey, friends. This week, Taylor, is another COVID time capsule. I feel like we say this every week, almost like we're a broken record. That's our first big batch of episodes for our classics here, was uh, right in that period where COVID was the one big thing in the world. This is a big one, actually, kind of, because this is the week the DragonCon team announced they weren't doing an in-person con for 2020. I mean, I know it's been a while now, but what sticks out to you about that time? I remember kind of having a feeling that it was going to happen and then just waiting to see if they were going to confirm it or not. And then the question of what about all the people that already bought tickets and things like that. But I remember they handled it really well. I mean, they were on top of it. They were basically waiting to see if things would subside, which obviously they didn't. I feel like they handled it really well. And I feel like they opened up a bunch of old merchandise. And I remember buying Melissa a bunch of socks and sweatshirts and other stuff like that. And it was a gate price and it was a good way to support it, even though they weren't still having it. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. I bought some stuff too, but I remember you bought the socks from Melissa and stuff and we kind of made a thing out of it and supported Dragon Con, even though there wasn't actually a con. Yeah. I actually got a bunch of shirts from <laughs> from the years that I didn't visit. Oh yeah. Awesome. That's right. I think I got like a, was it 2017? Whatever that uh, hoodie we saw a few people wearing at this year's con with the uh, 60s Batman logo style dragon. Yeah, I got most of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool hoodie. The one thing that really sticks out to me as we keep talking about these COVID time capsules and thinking about early COVID times in Dragon Con, the word classy comes to mind. Because I feel like we said that almost every episode whenever uh, Dragon Con made an announcement. It was just they handled it really classily. Extra cool, seeing as though they're like a fan-run con. Like, they're doing it all themselves as fans. And they handled it more classily than a lot of other big companies did. Yeah, they really did. They didn't string people along and they're like, oops, whoops, we can't do it. They yeah. kept us in the know while they knew it. And I'm really glad that they survived through it because not everything did. Yeah, true. But yeah, they handled it really well. And that's probably why people kept supporting them. We all bought the streaming memberships too. And yeah. I remember watching uh, panels that they did basically live that weekend with you. Yeah. And with Sterling. Yeah, I remember cool. that was on the, the Roku thing, right? With the streaming con. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyways, guys, with that, let's jump on into this week's DCSG Classic, where we cover the official word of no in-person con in 2020, and we speculate on what they would do from there. Welcome to Dragon Con Survival Guide. Each week, we give you the tips and hacks you need to get the most out of your con. Save money at cons to spend more at cons. Now here's your hosts, Gary and Taylor. Aloha, and welcome to episode 20 of Dragon Con Survival Guide. I'm Taylor, and this is my buddy Gary. Hey, man. So we've done this intro three times now because I fucked up a bunch, but uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I had some good news today, and it was dope. And I'm very happy for you. I was going to congratulate you again for the third time, which wouldn't be a surprise anymore, but, you know, uh, anyways, <laughs> you had some good personal news. Uh, we can't really talk about it much yet, but that was awesome we got some other big news to talk about, so let's just jump into our DragonCon news. Bumper. <laughs> uh, 
it's almost as good as disappointed. Like I don't, I should expect it every time, but I don't, and it just makes me laugh. Oh, that's great. Oh man. So T. Jenks, we got some big news we've been waiting on for a little while. Uh, what was the statement we got from the Dragon Con team this week? Not a bumper. <laughs> <laughs> After got some big news from Dragon Con uh, a couple days ago. After many months of hand wringing, sleepless nights, and more Zoom meetings than we can count, we've decided the Dragon Con 2020 event will not be held in person. Trust us, we are just as bummed as you are. But no, we did not make this decision lightly. Above all else, we want to thank you, our fans, our partners, the ACVB, which I think is the Atlanta Convention Board, and the City of Atlanta for the support you have given us over these past few months. If you'd like to retain your membership for our next convention, you don't need to take any action. This rollover will happen automatically by August 15th with no fees for repurchases. That's awesome, by the way. If you do choose to roll over your registration to the next DragonCon, we have something special for you. Your official 2020 membership badge and an exclusive DragonCon item that will not be released in any other form or fashion. As a memento of our sincerest thanks for sticking with us through this. This will be mailed to you in the fall. That is absolutely awesome, and I can't wait to see what it was. And as we were saying earlier, I, it's almost a bummer to miss out on it, and I almost want to buy tickets. Yeah. I mean, I almost want to drop $140 on a convention I won't go to just for the badge and the whatever this exclusive gift is. We also talked about earlier, probably a mask, I would imagine, or like some sort of, you know, thing tying into everything going on right now. Oh, and there's slightly more. We have updated this page to give you answers to questions you may have regarding your former Dragon Complaints and maybe questions you didn't even know you had. What if I don't have any questions? What if it's a question like, why is the plural of sheep, sheep? You had to bring out the heavy-hitting questions that, like, the world doesn't have any answer to, man. Like, the DragonCon team is not prepared for that sort of thing. Mind blown. (laughs) They started this on a Dragon computer on a message board, like, years ago. It's like uh, with uh, the first Iron Man, where uh, Jeff Bridges is so mad because his little lackey can't build an Iron Man costume. He said, well, I'm not Tony Stark. He's like, Tony Stark built us in a cave with a bunch of scraps. That's all I remember about the first Iron Man. (laughs) Great. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so, I mean, we've talked, like, ad nauseum at this point, you and me and our other friends we've had on, about how well DragonCon has handled most of this stuff. Do you feel like keeping it as classy as possible? Like, I think I'm pretty proud of how they've handled all this. Yeah, I think they are, really. With a lot of other events and companies and just everything with how stuff's been going on lately. You know, there's been times when I've been frustrated, and even though I understand with COVID, like, a lot of what's happening, some of it hasn't been handled as well. And with everything that's happened with Dragon Con, I, like, I can't even be upset about anything. Like, if anything, I want to support them more. And it just really goes to show you how communicating well and being in touch with your fans and taking care of them is it just goes so far in this day and age. And just in general, it just makes good business sense. And like, I'm really impressed with them. I think it's cool, too. Like we've been talking, you know, with our trivia episode, especially we learned a lot more about um, the actual founders and the way Dragon Con began. And granted, when it started, it was a small little local con 
started by a message board on a basic early computer in the early days of the internet. And there was, I forget, was it 1,200 people? Like, it was a pretty decent turnout for that type of thing back then, but also really small compared to nowadays. And even just in this little statement they made, there's a lot of different groups and partnerships involved in running DragonCon. And they had to run all this through everybody to, like, try to figure out, is it even possible? Can we do this? If we can do this, how would we have to do this? Can we even get these celebrities and personalities and all their agents on board to actually do something like this? The logistics of everything must be monumental for a convention that gets, I know they say 80, 85,000, roughly 100,000 people at least in the town in that convention area that weekend. That's a lot. So to take all that into account and the fact that even you and me working in the service industry, running our own businesses, we're doing that on our level. On a DragonCon level? That's insane. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, like, the fact that they actually even tried to keep this happening at this point was impressive. Yeah, they could have just taken the easy way out months ago. Absolutely. Now that we find out, too, that they're going to do a virtual con like we've speculated about, and we'll talk about that a little more here soon, and supposedly they plan on doing that for free, whatever they do end up doing. It's amazing. Yeah, literally just to keep that, as it was kind of building up to, that, that like, family feel that they had in that first few conventions. They've really kept that feeling alive. And it's impressive that for as big as an organization they've grown to be, I feel like this this is just building on that legacy. Yeah, it feels like they're talking to us personally when they write these uh, when they write these releases and like I can hear it. Like I can hear them saying this to me and that's just awesome. Like whoever is writing their releases is a goddamn genius. Definitely. Like it's professional but also personal. You know, and like and heartfelt. Yeah. And, like, they use colloquial words. Like, they literally just said, yeah, we're bummed too, guys. But then they also literally laid out everything very professionally. And, I don't know, for guys that have been going to DragonCon a few times now and literally run a DragonCon podcast and have seen all of this progress, I'm just really impressed that they handled it as well as they could have. Yeah, me too. I'm very happy. And I'm really excited to see what happens with the virtual con. Definitely. So let's jump into that. Buffer! <laughs> It's actually going to help me with the editing, though, so I'm really happy about that. Like, that's actually kind of a cool idea. It's funny, and it's going to make me laugh as I'm editing, but then I'm also like, oh, it's, it's helpful. So now we're talking virtual cons. Dragon Con, they haven't put out much yet, because they literally just made this announcement like a day or two ago about how they're canceling and they're doing a virtual thing. So all they've said was they plan to do basically some sort of free content for us. We've speculated it might be DragonCon TV, it might be like an enhanced DragonCon TV, they might just do something separate. We have no idea now. But I think it's really cool they said it'd be free. Do you think there might be like a premium paid DragonCon TV version that gives you access to everything from all the former cons, everything like all in one package? Or do you think it's just going to be no matter what, you go to this website and you get a few free things? Or what are you picturing? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, Although I do have some fun ideas um i'm really interested to see what they're going to do because as we've been discussing so far they seem to have a really good plan for this it's awesome that it's free but honestly at this point i'd be completely happy to pay for some of the content that i feel like they might be releasing i imagine yes definitely they're going to have some of their more popular panels from prior years especially the ones we went to like william shatner (laughs) deciding he didn't want a table or a moderator that was just going to talk (laughs) uh stan lee was at one of the ones you know some of the big panels like that, I imagine they'll probably show some of those. 
kind of like how movie theaters are showing older movies now because uh, it's cheaper and the grosses are bigger and it's kind of bringing people back to the movie theaters. I think it might be work to bring some people back to Dragon Con. Yeah. I'm not sure about some other stuff. I could very easily see them doing something kind of similar to how SNL was doing SNL at home, where people were recording their own things and they kind of mashed it into a clips of an episode or when they basically recorded a Zoom call between people. Anything like that where we kind of see them taking a really novel approach to this and everything like that. I mean, social distancing has been relaxed, and so we might see a group of people from a certain television show or a fandom or anything like that together. But I'm just really interested to see how they've done it, because a lot of people have come up with such terrific ideas for how to how to cope with this, and I kind of rambled. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, I'm really just interested to see what they're going to do. And like I said, even if there is premium paid content, honestly, at this point, I'd be happy to pay for it. Me too. Like, honestly, I was thinking that anyway. Like, I was kind of planning with the contingency of they're probably going to do a virtual con. If they didn't, I was going to pay for Dragon Con TV anyway. So if they end up doing something like Dragon Con TV, but it's free just because they're trying to put that out there for all the fans that don't get to go this year, like, that's really cool. Yeah. Even if they have some sort of paid version, you and me and thousands of other people, I'm sure, would put in money for it. Even if it's ten, twenty, thirty dollars for a weekend to have like access to all the old panels, everything they put out, the live streaming Dragon Con TV, assuming they still do that, which I hope they do, because like part of the experience for me, honestly, the whole thing is just like watching those bumps in between whatever panels or movies or TV shows or whatever they show. Like that's part of it. Even though it's the same bump, yeah, you get a handful of new bumps every year, but you see the same stuff recycled every year. But it's fun to see that stuff. Like it's like part of the joy of the whole thing. So. We'll see what they end up doing. We'll talk more next week about how to best enjoy a virtual convention, because we've got some cool ideas burning on that, thanks to our buddy Sterling that was on a couple weeks ago. Aside from that, do you have any thought, like, what would you like to see out of a virtual convention? We've talked a lot about what we expect to see, what other cons have done, what we've seen coming out from other cons and TV shows. Is there anything cool that you haven't heard of or, like that you've seen from other cons doing that you hope Dragon Con would do a version of? Honestly, my ideal situation would be like a Reddit AMA, but with video, Mm. where it's just uh, either a panel or just one guy like answering, hopefully moderating questions (laughs) from the interwebs that are coming in like live. Because that would even be cool to watch after the fact, just to see like what his responses were or her responses were or their responses were. Are you expecting like then... um like a YouTube or Twitch stream where it's like someone's recording a video and then there's that chat bar and then they just watch the chat questions come in and respond to it kind of like very much like Twitch. Yeah. That's what I would kind of expect. Okay. And honestly, if anyone that was a guest at dragon con did a Twitch stream, I would probably watch that too. Especially if it was Kevin Sorbo. Watch Kevin Sorbo get his ass kicked in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny too. Like they're saying it's going to be free. We don't know exactly, of course, what they have planned or what they're trying to work on or whatever, but it'd be kind of cool, too. Like, we've also heard from other conventions doing, like, a virtual kind of version of a signing where, like, you get two to five minutes to talk to a celebrity and then you get a signed picture in the mail from them. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know if they can do that. And granted, I don't know what they would charge for that, you know, how that whole thing would work and everything, but, um... Logistics. Yeah. Nerds. (laughs) Promote synergy! Like a boss. I was trying to think of the other line that I was really trying My to think of. My own bathroom? No. Corporate memos? No, yes. that wasn't what it... 
<laughs> that works. Faxes, swallow <laughs> sadness. <laughs> I guess we're kind of on the same page with that. We're kind of hoping they do some sort of version of Dragon Con TV, especially with the bumps and the, their own skits, because those are always awesome. And throw in probably some classic panels with some sort of new version of a panel, whether it ends up being a pre-recorded thing or some sort of live stream thing where they can get in viewer questions, which would be really cool. I don't know how hard that would be to work in, but I think that's awesome. We've talked about a little bit um, the one-on-one kind of thing I mentioned with the celebrities with the Zoom call or whatever. That'd be pretty cool. But whether they do that or not, another part of it I've thought of, which we talked a little bit about with our San Diego virtual recap for the San Diego Comic-Con going virtual uh, announcement. What do you picture, if anything, for a kind of artist dealer's room? Like, do you think they'll have, like, some of their vendors come in and, like, put up their whole catalog of whatever they're willing to sell and, like, sell that online somehow? Or do you think that's a thing they could even try to incorporate? That'd be very interesting to see. There are virtual marketplaces, and at one point, I remember they did, like, you know how Google Maps, like, Street View, you can, like, drag along a street and see, like, the fronts of houses and, like, different street signs and where the Google car almost ran someone over and things like that? (laughs) I feel like they did that once with one of the American Marts, and honestly, the logistics of it would be crazy, but just any sort of, like, virtual marketplace or just... uh, like a, a links page to a lot of the artists and merchandisers and things like that, or their online stores might be great or anything like that would be awesome. I'm not really sure how they'd do it though. Yeah. That'd be the hard thing. Like it could be as simple as like having a web page for an artist alley where like they have a list of different artists and maybe some of their thumbnails and you can click on them and buy whatever they have there. Or it could be like a, um, I forget which one of us said it when we were talking about San Diego going virtual, but having like kind of timed release exclusives. We're like, starting at noon, we're going to drop this item and you got to come on and get it. And if you don't get it in like five to 10 minutes, it'll probably be gone. So like that kind of thing, which they could easily do that because then that would be their own Dragon Con merchandise they'd be selling. And they've already said they plan on making a few exclusive things just for the people that bought badges and stuff for this year. And I imagine they will probably have some sort of like mask or neck gator or something like that. That's like Dragon Con logoed. But aside from those type of like exclusive drops, I don't know if they even plan on doing an artist alley or like how they would do that. But yeah, that's another logistical thing we've talked about that like I'm curious to see how, if at all, they respond to that. Yeah, I am very curious too. So, Taylor, you got any nerdy stuff to talk about this week? Yes, I do. Um, My wonderful fiancé and I started playing Fallout 3 on my computer recently, and it only took like seven or eight modifications to make it work on Windows 10, but it also only cost $8 from the Steam store. So we've been uh, playing some Fallout 3 and really getting into the post-apocalyptic nuclear world. And is Fallout a series you've been into before? You know, it really wasn't before. Um, Melissa turned me on to it, and then I started playing Fallout 76, which is kind of like an MMORPG version of Fallout. Hmm. And I really enjoy that. So we started playing Fallout 3, because in our opinion, it's the best, and it is, and it's dope. Very cool. Is there any other games that you've gotten into through her? Uh... Well, I mentioned it in our podcast last week, although it might have gotten cut off. I can't remember. Um, we um, emulated 
an N64 on my computer and played Pokemon Snap and beat the crap out of it. Oh, that's right. That did get cut out because of the whole audio issue. So, yeah, um, you ported off a version of Pokemon Snap on your computer with an emulator, and that sounded really fun, and it got me really jealous. Yeah, I actually even bought an N64 controller off of Amazon that has a USB plug, and we were even able to play with, like, an N64 controller. That's so cool. That was probably imported from North Korea, but we're going to glaze right over that one. Well, since you brought up Nintendo and Pokemon Snap, um, I think we also talked a little bit about last week, even though it got cut out because of the audio issues, with the um, Switch. They're going to do a Pokemon Snap 2 or some sort of version of Pokemon Snap for the Nintendo Switch? Oh, yeah. They just announced it. It looks amazing. It does look really cool. And I finally just got a Switch, which I told you a little bit. I don't think I mentioned it on any of the podcasts. We've been doing some like kind of spring cleaning in my house. And I found an old Sega Genesis and the original PlayStation that I modded to play uh, Japanese and imported games and copied games. Ooh. And uh, Nintendo 64 and controllers for all of them and a whole shit ton of games. And I've been selling it online and I've made $1,500 in the last two weeks just by selling all this random bullshit. One of the coolest things to me was, do you ever hear of the Sega Genesis? Yes, I had a Sega when I was growing up. It's dope. It was pretty dope. And we had, um, I don't know if you had or... Altered Beast with the Wind. Oh, such a good game. I didn't have that one, but I played it. But, um, do you ever hear of the Sega Nomad? Ah, uh, was that the hand... No, that was the Game Gear. Uh, I have not. It was a handheld, actually. But it was kind of a cool thing that I think Sega was the only one to do this back in the day. But it was like a handheld Sega console that used the same cartridges the Genesis used. So, like, imagine, like a portable handheld Super Nintendo that you could put those full-size Nintendo cartridges into and play on the go. But it had, like, a backlit screen. It had all the controls and everything you need. Um, it had a battery pack on it, so you could just power it with uh, AA batteries instead of uh, plugging it in. You could take it fully on the go with you, but it was a handheld, like, Sega Genesis. I had one of those, and for some reason, we kept the box. So I had the original cardboard box for it. The thing's broken. wouldn't even power on. I mean, it would power on, but, like, the screen would light up, but it wouldn't even work. Like, it was just broken. And someone bought it for 300 bucks. Holy cow. Yeah, because I guess it's one of those things that, like, it was super rare because it's hard to find and there wasn't maybe many of them made. So to have one that looks in really good shape, even if the screen doesn't work or whatever, someone that's, like, really good at repairing that type of stuff could easily take out the screen and swap it out and get it working. And especially to have a box with it and stuff like that, like... They were pumped. So I sold a bunch of stuff and got a Nintendo Switch, and now I'm playing Animal Crossing, and I'm kind of addicted. And I hear it's amazing. It's really fun, man. And to me, it's like, it's the perfect game for someone that's kind of a casual gamer like me, because you can just sit in and play it and just relax and chill with it. And you're literally like just running around fishing and picking weeds and like talking to people and stuff like that and growing your community. But you're not really doing anything. And there's like not a real story to it. There's kind of like a campaign, but it's not like a really serial ongoing story. It's just like you have fun and chill and do stuff. And I play for an hour or two a day. And if I'm lucky and that's about it, you know, I check in at least once a day for a few minutes if I can, cause you get stuff you check in every day, but yeah, it's just kind of a fun chill game to play. And I also got Zelda breath of the wild, which I haven't played yet, but I've heard is amazing. Oh yes. I'm really excited to play it. Cause I really haven't played any Zelda games all the way through. I've played a little bit like of a bunch of them throughout my life but i've never actually played a whole zelda game so i'm kind of pumped to jump into that 
Um, and I got Minecraft for it for free, but I don't care about Minecraft. By the way, though, we talked a little bit when I was like thinking about buying a Switch and like thinking about me some selling of stuff and getting some money to buy a Switch. I'm really glad I bought the full version of the Switch instead of the Switch Lite. Because honestly, almost all the time, I play with the Switch Pro controller, which is their like wireless hard controller without using the Joy-Cons that come with the console, like an actual solid controller. And I use it plugged into the TV. Because on the TV, you get full HD and it looks so much better. And you got a controller, which I'm more used to having like a solid controller in my hands. I don't know. I mean, you you don't have a Switch, right? I do not, but my uh, brother and my sister-in-law do. Do you ever play around with it at all? I do. Um, I'm pretty good at Mario Tennis, which is one of my favorite Mario series. Nice. Do you find yourself using it handheld more or like using a controller or how do you play with it usually? Uh, I've only ever played it on their, um, on their television. Hmm. My brother, he plays it handheld sometimes, even if he's like in the living room with the TV. I don't know. It's awesome both ways. And I've seen them use it before too, where they use like the little stand and you can take off the joy cons and you can play like Mario tennis, like on the tiny screen and stuff like that. So it is pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. Versus the switch Lite, where the controller is built in and you can't do something cool like that. Yeah. That's more why I, even though I thought originally I would be using it more handheld, I like the versatility of having the option to have both. You know what I mean? You can have a whole handheld thing and get a case for it and keep it safe traveling and stuff like that. Or you could just plug it in the TV and constantly use it either with the Joy-Cons or the controller, but like never take it out of the stand for the most part, you know? So you can kind of do it however you want. And the option to have two controllers out of one system is really cool too. Yeah, absolutely. historian i'm gonna call him philip k dick once said where there's blank there's hope but i really can't remember what was that word dope and that's a wrap for this week thank you for listening to this week's episode of dragon con survival guide find us on facebook facebook.com slash dragon con survival guide on the twitter at crunked up review or on instagram at dragoncon underscore survival underscore guide shoot us an email anytime at dragoncon survival guide at gmail.com or just scream to the Dragon Con gods in the middle of downtown Atlanta at 2 a.m. Intro music and bumpers are provided by royalty-free music websites. Outro is Beautiful End by Jacob Spangler, friend of the podcast. Until next time. Top Wop Studios production. 